Welcome back, wizards and muggles alike, to another episode of Broomsticks and Butterbeer, your Harry Potter chapter-by-chapter -chapter review of all seven books, and we are uh, firmly entrenched in book one, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, as we head into chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised, and I'm joined by Jessica Rhino. Hello. Uh, Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. And I'm, of course, Dan Rhino Hufflepuff, and we are going to take you on a journey through, like I said, chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised, uh, chapter 12 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So where we left off last chapter, in chapter 11, uh, it was sports chat with Dan and Jess. Yeah, we played some Quidditch. And uh, well, talked, a lot, uh, talked a lot of sports, made a lot of uh, comparisons to muggle sports that we're um, uh, familiar with, because I know people listen to this podcast because they want to get uh, lots of sports talk. So that's what we're going to give them. We're going to give the people what they want. I don't think that's what they want. It's not what they want. They want Harry Potter. That must be why uh, nobody downloaded the last episode. That's not true. Hmm. Well, you just put it up I last just, night. Yeah, I just posted it. So. <laughs> like, Wait. just less than 12 hours ago. Uh, but at the end of Chapter 11, just to kind of set the stage for where we're at, uh, Harry had his first successful foray into Quidditch, despite some seeming interference from uh, the stands in the form some, of Snape's... Some foul play? Hex spell. Uh, things could have gone terribly awry, but Harry was able to be uh, the star in the end and capture the Golden Snitch, giving the win for Gryffindor. And at, back at Hagrid's hut... Uh, Hagrid lets some info slip on the three-headed dog that's at Hogwarts. Uh, not exactly what it's guarding, but how what it's guarding relates to Dumbledore and someone named Nicholas Flamel. Yes. And that kind of sets the, the scene for where we are uh, here in Chapter 12. And the biggest part of the chapter is that it's Christmas time. Yay! At Hogwarts, which you're super excited about. Yes, Christmas at Hogwarts is fantastic. The thing I wanted to ask about that is they really seem to, just by what I've seen in the movies and then the little of what I've read in the books, they seem to make Christmas a, kind of a really big deal in the Harry Potter universe. And it, it doesn't, it seems a little, it's cool that they do that, but it seems a little strange seeing as though Christmas has so much of a religious connotation to it. And if you, you know, talk to anybody about, uh, anybody that's like super religious, you know, they might see, you know, some of the Harry Potter books as not appropriate for, you know, people uh, who are super religious because of, you know, it focuses on witchcraft and wizardry and things like that. And a lot of times that doesn't jive very well with people which, who can't see it just for the form of entertainment that it is do you feel kind of like i do and that there's that it's cool that christmas is such a big thing in these books but that it, it kind of feels a little out of place um i don't think it feels out of place i never i guess gave it that much thought until just now um but it's part of the school year it's part of the going to school mm -hmm. um you have christmas break and so I think that's just, you know, how we... I know their school's set up a little differently over there. So there are parts of it that confuse us Americans. But it's just, that's part of going to school, going on Christmas break. I mean, we used to always call it Christmas break, even though now we're not supposed to call it Christmas yeah, break. Yeah, no, it's winter break. Because uh, every we are, live in a very um, sensitive society where uh, we're easily bothered by everything it, it seems but i i love that christmas is is so prominent in in the books and in the movies they really do make a big big deal out of it you know we'll talk about like how they the decorations went and you know the gifts and things like that i just always just felt uh it was a little strange given the fact that the, the books focus so much on witchcraft and wizardry which if you know most people that are religious can 
take the Harry Potter books for what they are, which is entertainment. It's not a Bible for, no. <laughs> uh, for you know, being a Wiccan or something like that. Yeah, and it's not like a how-to guide for to be a witch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's fun. Like you said, it's entertainment. I was just thinking, you know, but we're talking about the how they decorate and how they have Christmas. Christmas is just a magical time of the year. So I think it fits in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Like the way she did it and the presents just kind of appear and this and that. And I think it fits very well. I mean, when you, I guess if you take Christmas for what Christmas has become, like when you first think of Christmas, you think of like, Santa, Santa. The, and there's nobody Presents more magical than, than Santa, <laughs> yeah, Santa, or more magical than somebody visiting, um, you know, millions of kids in one night all over the world. You know, there's obviously some magic going on to make all that happen, or yeah. even a fat man <laughs> fitting Big down a, a, a skinny chimney. We didn't have a chimney in my parents' souls. He came in the mail slot because we have those old-fashioned mail slots. Mm-hmm. It's the same as coming in the chimney. Yeah, so, I always you used know. to ask that, too. I said, we don't have a chimney. How does Santa get in? Hey, he just comes in the door. Yeah. All right. There's a magical right key that opens up everybody's <laughs> door. All right, that works. But, I mean, there's even people that are so, you know, that take religion and take, you know, words of books that were written thousands of years ago so literally that they won't even acknowledge Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. You know, as part of, of as part of Christmas, uh, as you kind of roll your eyes at that, it's just another part of you know just the uber sensitivity that you know our culture has become. It wasn't even like that when we were kids. You know, when you know twenty or thirty years ago, when we were in elementary school, it just wasn't. Santa came to school. Yeah, Santa Santa visited school. We it had was Christmas. and we had Halloween parties where people dressed up in costumes and. You know, it just, and there, there was always some people that... And we had the Easter Bunny, too. Yeah. The Easter Bunny came to my school. Which is totally, I mean, you just, it's kind of rare teacher, but to she see dressed that. up as the Easter Bunny. Yeah, but that's so cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just I just wanted to throw that out there and see if there was any, uh, if you had any thoughts on that. But uh, Draco is somebody who's not in the Christmas spirit. No. Uh, obviously very angry. About Slytherin's Quidditch loss to Gryffindor and the fact that his rival Harry Potter was uh, kind of the star, uh, despite the, the fact that he had to overcome so many trials during the match. So Draco just uh, kind of falls back on, you know, good old reliable bullying and teases Harry about the fact that he doesn't have a family to go home to at Christmas, so he has to stay at Hogwarts. But. Uh, or doesn't have a family that wants him. It doesn't have a family that wants him. So he's, and he's like, I don't care. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about. The fact that Harry's actually seems excited to not have to go back to the Dursleys, right? Yeah, he doesn't want to go back. I mean, when uh, McGonagall, I think, was going around and getting a uh, kind of a head count of who was going to be staying, who was going to be going, Harry just like shot right up and like just jumped out. You know, a seat to be the first one to say, I'm staying here. This has been the best situation that I have ever had, despite almost... First of all, there's food. Yeah. That he can just eat. Wonderful food. Wonderful food. <laughs> I think I'd stay. I'm like, sorry, Mom There's people that like me here. I have friends. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, an athletic star. I mean, you have to figure most of them are going home. And if Ron had been going home and, you know, all mm-hmm. the Weasleys... It might have been a little less appealing to mm-hmm. Harry to stay by himself, but still would have been better than still would have been better than going home and dealing with Dudley and fixing even, everybody breakfast yeah. and getting yelled at for burning the bacon. And, even if Ron wasn't there, he'd still have Hagrid. Yeah, you know, he'd still have McGonagall. He'd still have that, and there's no doubt uh, there's others. You know, two that yeah. he's probably. Uh, become you know at least semi-friendly with in, in Gryffindor House or maybe even in the Hufflepuff House because we love everybody. Yeah. But uh, you know Harry's actually excited about staying, so you know he doesn't really take much offense to what I Draco think it'd be was saying. Cool too to just kind of have the place to yourself mm-hmm. and really get to go exploring, and you know the rules are going to be a little more re- mm-hmm. relaxed, less probably less uh, staff would be there. And yeah. I mean, I, if, if you had a family, 
that missed you and that you didn't, didn't get to see, of course, you know, but, you know, what's he got to look forward to outside of Hogwarts? You know, I'm, I'm bet it's going to be the same thing when he gets to the end of the term and has to, you know, uh, wait, wait for uh, year two to, to come up. It's probably going to be the same thing. But, uh, you know, Harry actually wants to stay, and Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are actually going to Romania to visit Charlie, so the Weasley boys are going to be staying at Hogwarts, too, like you said. So we got Percy and Fred and George and Ron all going to be... I forgot all about Percy staying. until he popped up in the chapter. Yeah, I was like, oh, did. yeah, in Percy. Now, Percy's the oldest one, right? At school. Right, the oldest one at school. Yes. But the twins are just, I guess because there's two of them, even though they're younger than him, they just seem like they just kind of give him a hard time. You know, kind of like you would to a little brother. They do that to their big brother. But I guess since there's two of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I don't know. That it's like, having, right a 12, says it it's like having a 12 foot tall little brother. Yeah. Well, I think they're quite tall, too. And personally, I think is a little bit. He's, I don't think he's like the jock type like they are. Mm -hmm. So maybe. I gotcha. Uh, he's more the uh, intellectual. Yeah. So despite uh, Draco's Scrooge-like antics, um, you know, it's hard to stay mad at Draco when you finally get to see what the Great Hall looks like on Christmas. It's kind of hard to, to really stay mad at it anybody when you get to see what it looks like at christmas time right oh yeah we had to go crossing over to make fun of ron's family mm -hmm. too when he couldn't get a rise out of harry let's just make fun of ron's family well that's what well, the bullies do when you don't get a reaction you'll find somebody that'll give you a reaction yeah. what kind of so, decorations do we have in the great hall for christmas oh giant giant christmas trees brought in by hagrid a dozen of them a dozen, a dozen of christmas them. trees yes lining the walls and then all the professors seem to be putting their own little t decorative touches. Some mm -hmm. have, like, icicles, and some have bubbles and mm -hmm. golden decorations. They... What do you think Snape's tree looks like? Like the like... tree from Charlie Brown? <laughs> <laughs> it's like bats, and he used all the leftover Halloween decorations. Probably. He probably got a good deal on them, too. Oh, he probably used, like, like potions uh, supplies. He probably has some little... Little cauldron ornaments. Nobody look at my tree. <laughs> you shall. <laughs> Some frog legs hanging from there. and You shall exhibit no joy once looking at my tree. Potter. <laughs> well, it doesn't say that they all did. No, I'm sure he I didn't. I'm sure he didn't participate. So, yeah, he probably didn't participate. I'm sure he didn't participate at all. Uh so the trio of Harry, Ron, and Hermione have a little bit of time before lunch. And Hermione is, of course, going home for Christmas uh, to her muggle parents, who are both dentists, apparently. Yes, dentists. That we find out in the chapter. So they head to the library, mm -hmm. and uh, which is your, your favorite place to go, no doubt, when you have a little extra time. And why are they going to the library? What are they trying to look up? Uh, they're looking up anything that they can find on Nicholas Flamel, which is nothing so far. But they're trying to find something on L Nicholas Flamel and who he was and what he did with his life that's so important and how he relates to Dumbledore. And not not uh, having any luck so far, right? Nope. They've struck out. Yeah, it's been... Um, I think it's a, they said it's been... Hmm, a couple weeks that they've been looking mm -hmm. and now granted they've had classes and, and things like that so they it's just kind of been like sporadic you know we got 10 minutes here we got 20 minutes here we got an hour here let's go to the library so they haven't really had you know time to like sit I'm down Hermione's got them and spending all their free time in the library well they're they're intrigued aren't you yes. know they've got a, a good if you've got a good reason you know something exciting to learn about and they're really intrigued about who this Nicholas Flamel guy is how it relates to Dumbledore and how it relates to the three-headed dog and how it relates to whatever it wants, uh, whatever it is that Snape wants to get his hands on so bad. So no luck with the search. And uh, while I was reading, you know, being a librarian myself, the first thing that came to my mind is, why don't they just ask the librarian to help them? <laughs> and then not more than, I'd say, 
three lines later, it tells me why. Why they didn't they, ask. They didn't ask. The library. Because they don't want to, they don't want word getting around or they don't want Snape somehow hearing about uh, what they're up to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the restricted section of the library? Surely there would be useful info in the restricted section, but what can you tell us about um, how the restricted section works and uh, the types of things that we might find in there? Well, Daniel, it's restricted. Mm. Hot they, take. <laughs> they need a special note from their teacher in order to access the restricted area. And um, it's the way it's described, though, I mean, they, they think it will help them to get in there, but the way it's described is it's mostly about dark magic. Mm-hmm. And if you, only if you're doing some, if you're an upperclassman doing a report on defense against the dark arts, mm-hmm. would you need to use that section? Um, so, but they're just assuming since they can't find it anywhere else, mm-hmm. that must be where it is. Yeah, it's got to be restricted for a reason. That's where the good stuff is. Yeah. Uh, Ron and Harry uh, were are enjoying, uh, kind of like you said, having the run of the place uh, when a lot of the uh, crew has gone home for Christmas. And uh, they're enjoying having the dormitory and the common room largely to themselves. And they wake up Christmas morning to a stack of presents by their bed. And this is old hat. For Ron, I mean, he, of course, you know, you wake up on Christmas morning. There's Chris, there's presents by your bed. You know what? He, I think he said like, uh, uh, "What did you expect?" I don't remember what uh, smart Alec comment he said. Like, what did you, what did you expect there to be? Turnips or yeah, or something turnips. like that. But Harry, this is a new experience for him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he didn't really get presents from his aunt and uncle and I think they said occasionally he got like broken things that mm. Dudley didn't want anymore but yay yay <laughs> um, so yeah he was quite surprised to have some presents and his stack is not was not as big as Ron's but no. I mean you gotta think that he's just I mean, Harry's just blown away by anything anything yeah he's expecting to just have this lonely but peaceful mm-hmm Christmas mm-hmm. and that's like a present in itself. Yes, <laughs> but no, he's got friends now. So Hermione left the boys each a present, mm-hmm. and uh, he got a, a handmade flute from yeah. Hagrid. That's pretty cool. Uh, he got some uh, chocolate frogs from Hermione. Yes. Uh, Mister Mrs Dursley even sent a gift. Yeah, I said I got your letter. I don't remember him sending a no. letter maybe he just said sent him one that said he wasn't coming home yeah probably and they said we got your letter here's a quarter i don't know what they said it was 50 pence a 50 f- pence piece. piece and i believe when my brother went to uh london um 10 or 12 years ago he was describing that at the time a pence was about a, a cent it was about a penny. So I don't know what the exchange rate is now, but I would assume it's approximately about 50 cents <laughs> that they sent him. And he, he's just, of course, not super overwhelmed by it. But Ron thinks it's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, he's Muggle seen. money? Oh my goodness. Well, look, what shape is this? And Harry's just like, you can have it. You can have it, yeah. You know? Um, can you explain the dynamic of the uh, Weasley sweater? <laughs> the jumper? Uh, so, <laughs> in did it in my book it said sweater, but in your book did it say jumper? Oh yeah, I'm reading the I'm reading the Philosopher's Stone because I before I read the chapter and made my notes I listened to the chapter uh-huh. on YouTube and they also said jumper in the um, in the audio version that I listened to so I guess they were probably reading from the Philosopher's Stone as well I don't think I ever noticed that 
I mean, I knew I was they kinda, changed the title. I didn't really think that they went in and changed any of the words. Yeah, I was kind of caught off guard because when I listened to it, I heard jumper, and then I was going back and doing my notes, and I didn't see the word jumper anywhere. I saw sweater, sweater, sweater. Uh, so I, <laughs> I, I guess uh, we are, uh, here in America, we're not smart enough to use context clues to figure out what a, what a jumper is. Well, I, we think we just think of jumper as something else. Jumper is like that full body. I don't know outfit. what I don't know what I think a jumper is. <laughs> um, but can you explain the the dynamic of the Weasley jumper slash sweater? sweater. Uh, so Mrs. Weasley, aka your mother. Yeah, aka Mrs. Rhino. <laughs> Uh, she makes everyone a sweater for Christmas. Every year. Every year. They get a sweater or a jumper that is a sweater. Um, and every year, uh, poor Ron's is maroon. He apparently hates maroon. You're wearing maroon right now. I like maroon, <laughs> but I also do not have red hair. Yeah. So I could see how, you know, it's probably the case that she was going along as okay well this is blue is percy's color and this is so-and-so's color and this is so-and-so's color and then and she's probably avoiding red or maroon because it doesn't go well with their hair but, but when you have like 18 kids you run out of colors right yeah i think she ran out of colors okay. which just only adds to the poor poor ron situation of you know the lot he's not the youngest Jenny's the youngest, mm-hmm. and she's the only girl, so she's got two little special mm-hmm. attributes about her. And so then Ron is just that he's not the middle child because there's so many of them, but yeah. he's just he's just of, floating around in the in the middle somewhere. Yeah. But uh, he gets Harry, maroon. Uh, but Harry gets a Weasley sweater too. Yes, he gets a green one, but his doesn't have his initial on it apparently. <laughs> And everybody else's does because Fred and George comment about how they get an F and a G. And I will read, flip back to see if it said that Ron's had an R on it, but I don't think it said. Yeah, I don't think it but said. But they either. implied that but Percy's, Percy's had a P, so yeah. I'm, I'm thinking all of them. They said, oh, did. a P for prefect! <laughs> because you know Percy's a prefect, right? I don't yeah. know if you knew that. I don't know if you it, it's a kind of a secret it's kind of a hidden thing in the book that they don't really talk about very much and that uh, Percy doesn't really kind of like to brag about very much uh, we're of course being super sarcastic here yes. because uh, Percy the prefect uh, got a lot, some good alliteration there but of course Percy is uh, likes to let everybody know that he's a prefect this year I think I want a Weasley sweater now with a big J on it. Yeah. It'd be like a J. Or no, J needs a G. Hmm, mm. There is no J's. There you go. You can be the J. What color would you get? Blue, probably. Yeah. Ravenclaw. Yeah. <laughs> Blue. Uh, we get one more present. And we're not sure who it's from. But the letter says, Your father left this in my possession before he died. It is time it was returned to you. Use it well. And it happens to be this um, fabric that they describe it as almost like water. They said like it's like silver, flow. But yeah, it feels like water. Almost like like liquid fabric, if that's even possible. Um, and then it kind of when it when it when it's dropped on the ground, it kind of you know bundled up almost in like a puddle. But it turns out that it's Harry's father's invisibility cloak and if you put it on you cannot be seen so imagine the possibilities so many possibilities what was the first thing you would do if you had an invisibility cloak oh i don't know probably sneak up on you and scare you great (laughs) can't think of anything better to do than well that's not you said the first thing well the first thing with, that doesn't require any like preparation or going anywhere, doing mm-hmm. anything. The first thing would be to sneak up on you and scare you. Okay. I don't even have to leave the house for that one, you know. Yeah. I don't know what I'd do. I mean, because uh, a, an evil person would naturally think of all the nefarious ways that they could use it for, you know, robbing banks or, you know, stores or 
you know, things like that. But um, the first thing that kind of, you know, came to my mind is like, oh, man, I could, like, go to the baseball game whenever I wanted. <laughs> you just, like, when they when the gate is open, I just put on my invisibility cloak and walk, you know, right, walk in. right in. And then uh, take but it But no o- metal on you or else no. the metal detector would go yeah, off. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, just that's kind of what my, my mind went to, just being able to, like, sneak, sneak into, into ball game. games and things like that. Or, uh, you know, monster truck rallies or <laughs> You've never been to a monster truck rally. But maybe I'd go if I could get in for free. I don't know. Uh, so this is going to be a big part of the chapter here, is this uh, invisibility cloak. And that we don't know where it come, came from. We're going to talk about, in a few minutes here, our kind of thoughts with who left it, even though they don't just come out and tell us. You and I kind of talked before we recorded with uh, our thoughts and feelings on that. But we go to the Christmas feast and very festive scene. Not just the amazing spread that we have uh, food-wise, but the party favors, I think Harry mentioned, were so much cooler than like the little rinky-dinky plastic ones that... What did they call them in yours? Because now I'm curious what other words are different. I thought they... Hmm. I wrote party favors but that could have just been my own personal notes so in mine uh it's it's talking about he's never had such a christmas dinner and he's listing off all the food the gravy the cranberry sauce and a stack of wizard crackers i seriously thought they meant crackers Mm -hmm. like salting crackers Mm -hmm. for a second until then we got to you know, it's nothing like the feeble muggle ones that Jersey's usually bought with little plastic toys and flimsy paper hats. Then I realized what we were talking about. We were talking about the little party favors that popped. Did it say on yours, in mine it says, and stacks of wizard crackers every few feet along the table, these fantastic party favors were nothing like the feeble muggle ones. Does, yours doesn't say that? No. What is your sex? Oh, wait, yeah, it does. In sacks of wizard crackers every few feet along the tables, these fantastic crackers are nothing like the feeble muggle ones. So yours doesn't even say party Mine favors. Mine does not say It just party says favors. crackers again. It just crackers again. <laughs> so I had to, you know, figure it out, like you said, from the context okay. that we were talking about party favors. We, I think we call them poppers, mm-hmm. uh, usually. So and we don't really it, have prizes in them. But. So in the Sorcerer's Stone, um, the U.S. release, they have to kind of change that second sentence there to give us some context clues to figure out that crackers means party favors whereas in your copy the philosopher's stone they just say the crackers again because they assume that they know that we know what they're talking about and i might have figured it out quicker if it hadn't been like it was literally food 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 and crackers and i was like okay we're still talking about food mm-hmm. but then the next, yeah, the next line where we talk about the prizes and stuff. And I was like, oh, no, we're talking about party favors. Gotcha. So I just thought that was funny. Um, well, I think, you know, I think that's kind of cool. I don't think uh, I, you were kind of mentioning that maybe we need to, uh, you know, switch back to where we're reading the same exact volume. But I think that's kind of cool to see the differences see. between the U.K. release and the U.S. release. I think that would be kind of cool going forward because I didn't realize that they had changed the content. Uh, I thought it was just a pretty much a title change. but That's what I thought too. I, I never thought they went through and It is words. helpful though. To, <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it did help me quite a bit uh, to know that you know, we're talking party favors and we're talking sweaters rather and than not cr- salting crackers. crackers and jumpers. It's like, wow, wizards have better crackers than we do? Like, like better than Ritz? I don't... Ritz is pretty good. Ritz are really good. If they've got better than that, I, I want to sample. What's your favorite cracker? I'm going to go with... Uh, can I give you mine? I'm going to go with cl- club crackers. Oh, club you know, like crackers club crackers? Are Those yeah. are delicious. Can you I go with you? graham cracker? Yeah, that's, that'll work. <laughs> Uh, what about animal crackers? Not a fan. Not re- not really a, no. a not really a cracker, more of a cookie. But I'm just so not a fan of them at all. Well, me and the dogs love them. So. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> we love animal crackers, and we even got a vet that was giving them out as dog treats for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, so we've got uh, 
the thing I wanted to kind of talk about with the you know the Christmas feast here is it's not just the spread, it's not just the party favors, but it's the seeming letting down of the hair of the professors. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun too. That Dumbledore's not wearing his hat. He's wearing like a, a bonnet. Yeah, he got out of his cracker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, kind of, I just imagine, you know, just Dumbledore's being kind of silly. Yeah. Silly old guy. Hagrid's getting red faced. Hagrid's gotten Apparently to the, the wine. The wine is free flowing. <laughs> uh, he gives McGonagall a little uh, kiss on the cheek. Uh-huh. And Harry's expecting, you know, up to this point. Other than the Quidditch, the Quidditch, you know, situation with pulling him aside and gifting him the broom and everything, you know, McGonagall's been pretty a pretty stern lady. Tight. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, good adjectives. But she, you know, she kind of gets you know blushing on her face and kind of you know Giggly. enjoys enjoys the attention from from Hagrid and. I guess that's just the magic of Christmas, well, right? It's really hairy too, so it probably probably tickled a little. Yeah, but that's just it's just kind of just and goes to show you. And she's wearing a top hat. Of course. At <laughs> as, least in mine, she was. Now as, I'm second guessing as, everything in the book. As all do. Uh, she was wearing a sombrero in in mine. Really? No. Oh god! <laughs> I was like, why would they put her in a sombrero? Uh, that's that's the Spanish release. <laughs> Uh, Harry Potter and the Magician's Stone. <laughs> they release it in Spain. Um, everybody, there's, uh, she's wearing a sombrero. Um, no. Yeah. The it's top uh, hat. <laughs> I'm going to uh, have to read both versions now just so I can make sure you're not messing with me. Yeah, they don't have, uh, they don't have party favors. They have a pinata that they break. <laughs> How you read it twice, you read it once, and then you read yeah. it again to get your notes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna have to read it once in each version. I got you, I got you. Um, but it's just kind of a cool scene, it's just the magic of Christmas. I wrote down in my notes, but it's bedtime and on uh, Christmas evening, and Harry can only think about that invisi- invisibility cloak and how the letter told him to quote use it well. So, when he's thinking of how he can best use this thing well, he heads to the library. Because the first thing that came to his mind was that restricted section. And help me describe the restricted section when he gets in there. Because it's, it's odd to say the least. We've got the books are in weird languages. We've got some that don't have titles. What were some of the other things that kind of stood out? Well, I liked that it was just a rope that he had to step over. <laughs> this Very is secure. Dark, dark magic here. There's a rope that separates it from the rest of the library. Well, you don't. It's Hogwarts. You don't know if you just. It seems like it's just a rope there, but you, you know, try to step through there, and all of a sudden you're in like a different dimension or you're something. Just immediately like that. in the dungeon. Sure. Or something. That would make sense, but that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. Harry just stepped over the rope, and yes, he was looking at all these um, books. I'm assuming, you know, they're ancient books, and they're books from every land. It's just it's a library, so it's a collection of things. Um, yes, there's ones that he can't really read, titles, so he just randomly picks one. Mm-hmm. There's some covered in blood, it looks like. Yeah. It seems like the books are whispering, you know, as if, I think it... It said as if they know there's somebody there that's not supposed to be there. Just very odd section. See, it's Hogwarts. I don't think any of that is yeah, odd. I mean, to me, in, to me, it is in, in the moment. Like, world, oh yeah, I guess that that's pretty odd. But it's Hogwarts, so I just come to think of it as normal. So you said he kind of just picks a book at random. It's a silver and black book. Kind of catches his eye. Super heavy book almost too bit kind of unwieldy <laughs> as my dad likes to say he says that the milk you get at costco is unwieldy like you can't hold it <laughs> without spilling it but then again my dad's a weirdo so uh the the book ends ends up kind of just falling open and what happens when that book falls open it starts screaming <laughs> a blood curdling shriek and I don't know if this is because he's pulled it off the shelf uh-huh. and he doesn't have permission, uh-huh. if that's the actual security of right. the restricted section, sure. 
or if this book just happens to scream when yeah. you open it. We don't know. Sure. It's Hogwarts. Anything's possible. Right. Um, it just kind of reminds me of something that um, that I remember from the movies later on with something that makes a lot of noise. And oh, yes. I was like an unruly book or something that screams. Yeah, something that screams. and um, So it would not be the first thing in the magical world that just <laughs> yells at the top of its lungs. Uh, and when he closes the book, it doesn't help. No. It just keeps screaming. And so, of course, this draws the attention of Filch, which then in turn uh, gets the attention of Snape. And they are on the hunt for the culprit who's sneaking around in the restricted section after hours. And Harry's, of course, got his invisibility cloak on, but that doesn't mean that he's intangible. Like, if you touch him, (laughs) you're going to know it. Yeah, or if he bumps into something. Or knocks something over. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's plenty of ways he could still get busted here. So, yeah, he's running through the corridors. He's trying to hide. But, yeah, he hears Snape and Fudge talking. And they're close. They're coming closer. There's not a lot of room. They're going to bump into him. And he slips into an open door. Mm-hmm. He ducks into a room that looks like an unused classroom. Uh, there's old desks and chairs piled against the walls. But then propped up against the wall, and he said, almost as if it didn't look like it fit with the, the rest of the, de- of the decor in the room, almost like somebody had just kind of stashed it there temporarily, is this huge, uh, beautiful floor-to-ceiling mirror that's standing on two clawed feet at the base of it. And Harry's just kind of entranced by, you know, the gold etchings and, and everything and on the mirror. And he looks into the mirror, but he doesn't see his reflection as he expects. What does he end up seeing? Oh, yeah, he goes over to the mirror just to see that he's not there because mm-hmm. he's got his invisibility cloak. He wants to see the whole length of him invisible mm-hmm. or not see the whole length of him, I guess. Um, but he does see himself just standing there as if he didn't have the invisible invisibility invisibility cloak easy for you to say yeah on and then he notices there's a bunch of people standing around him too so he freaks out and he spins around and he's looking all over the room but he's alone but the reflection in the mirror shows him and a bunch of people behind him mm-hmm. and as he's looking at them and their faces and dissecting it he realizes that they're his family his mom and his dad and then must be what must be other relatives Mm -hmm. that have similar features and traits yeah he said like the like the the bony knobby knees (laughs) and the unkempt hair on his dad and the glasses eyes and and the eyes and he he kind of just says he sees his mom crying and kind of half smiling, half crying, waving to him. And, and he realized that, that that's his family. And um, he, doesn't, he doesn't know how, how this is functioning, how this is working, what kind of magic this is. He just kind of has, they describe it as a half joy, half terrible sadness. And he knows that this is something that's really unique and something that's really special, but that he also has to get back to the dorm before it gets caught. Yeah, he, he hears a noise mm-hmm. again, and he doesn't know what it is, but he figures he's pushed his luck for the night. Let's get out of here. So he tells Ron the next morning about what happened, and uh, Ron decides to go back with Harry that night, both of them underneath the cloak. So it's kind of like those... Uh, those two-person horse costumes (laughs) where it's kind of hard to move around because you're in a confined space with two bodies underneath there so and harry's not exactly sure where he's going he's kind of just picking out landmarks and things like that running the night before and so he doesn't know where how he ended up there they try Mm -hmm. to retrace his steps but um he eventually finds it. Yeah, they end up getting back to the room with the mirror. And Harry stands in front of the mirror, and he's telling Ron to come look. Come look at my family. 
But Ron doesn't see that. Ron just sees Harry's reflection, reflection. in the mirror. So they trade spots, and Ron is immediately enthralled with what he sees, but it's not Harry's family. Mm-hmm. What does Ron see? Ron sees himself, and he's standing all alone, and he's head boy, he's wearing the badge, and he's got the Quidditch cup and the house cup, and he's the Quidditch captain and pretty much everything that can be bestowed upon a student. Mm-hmm. Ron's got it. And, and so they're kind of wondering, you know, Ron's thinking, well, maybe this shows the future. But Harry's thinking how can that be true when all my family's gone yeah you know how can it possibly show the future um you know of course they would love to hang out you know all night you know harry would love to just look at his family and ron loves seeing this vision of him as you know yeah, they kind of start to bicker about it a little bit everything that he would want to be yeah enough no no you had it all last night let me look at it a little longer but Miss Norris shows up. So the uh, third night, Harry goes back for another visit to the mirror. And he is so consumed with getting back to the mirror and just sitting down and just soaking in, um, not even an interaction with his family, but just being able to see them in, in visual form, that he doesn't even notice that there's somebody else in the room with them. Um, Albus Dumbledore yeah. is sitting there pretty much waiting for him. Kind of catches Harry off guard. Dumbledore know, knows about the mirror. He knows about Harry and Ron's visits to the mirror. And he knows about what they saw in the mirror. And Harry's kind of wondering how Dumbledore know, knows this. And Dumbledore's response is, I don't need a cloak to become invisible. So I was asking you, are we to assume that he's been in the room for these earlier visits? I, that's what we're being led to believe. I'm, that he was like in following Harry around invisible while they were both invisible? I I don't know. What what kind of what was your takeaway from that? Um, I don't think I thought too into it the first couple of times I read it. This time I did a little more just, um, like you said, it's like, God, doesn't Dumbledore have anything better to do than sit in this room all night and wait to see if these boys show up? Mm-hmm. Maybe he has something that, uh, like a charm on the, the the room that says, hey, somebody showed up and mm-hmm. then he goes down there. Um, so maybe he wasn't in there when Ron and Harry, or when Harry first visited it. Like first walks in, but then he shows up a few minutes later after they, it's been triggered or something. I don't know. Gotcha. But it definitely seems like he knew they were going to be there. So Dumbledore explains that the mirror is the mirror of Erised. And that it shows you your deepest, most desperate desire of your heart. It doesn't show the future. It doesn't show the past. It shows your deepest, most desperate desire, which is cool, but how can that be a bad or a a damaging or a dangerous thing? Um, Well, he said it, it drove some people mad, not, you know, just sitting there wondering, could this be real? Is this the future? Is it the past? Can, or, you know, the questions that it arose, even just between the boys trying to figure it out. And then he said some people just waste away in front of it. They just sit there and... Like Harry was planning on doing, just sitting mm-hmm. there all night and looking at his parents. Mm-hmm. And it, it almost kind of, I, I compare it to almost like a drug. Yeah. You know, that you, you saw the the fact that, you know, Ron got a little taste of that good feeling that that vision gave him. And he didn't even want to get out of the way of the mirror to give Harry a chance to look at his dead family. Yeah. You know, Um you could see how that, even just that brief uh, kind of uh, interaction with the mirror kind of corrupted the friendship a little bit there for just a second. And we had this great conversation between the two boys when Ron, when Harry was telling Ron what, what he did the night before. 
first of all, Ram was like, you could have woke me up. I would have gone with you. And he was like, well, we should go tonight. I want to show you my family. And Ram was like, yeah, I want to see your family. That would be great. Mm-hmm. And then Harry's like, I want to see your family too. And Ron's was like, why? <laughs> you can see like you're going to need a bigger anytime. mirror. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just had this great solid friendship interaction where they cared about each other's lives and then we immediately walk into this room and this mirror like breaks that Mm -hmm. gotcha Uh, we have a a funny exchange at the end of the chapter Uh, before we do I guess we should mention that uh, Dumbledore says that the mirror is going to be moved after tonight but that's not a bad thing because like you said, it, uh, it could be potentially have hazardous results if you become too enthralled with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is probably going to be Harry's last opportunity for the foreseeable future to interact with the mirror. And he tells him, don't go looking for it again. Mm-hmm. I'm moving it. Gotcha. You're better off. And he says my favorite line, I have it on a bracelet, where he says that it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Mm-hmm. I always liked that line. Yeah, you, you spend, you know, too much time looking into the past, or in Ron's case, too much time looking into a, a, poten- future. a, a potential future that you forget to, you know, live in the present. And that's really when, <laughs> where um, you should be focusing on, you know, most of your attention. It doesn't hurt to have, you know, aspirations and things like that, but if you let that consume you, you know, you don't take full advantage of the life that you're given mm-hmm. uh, there's a kind of a funny exchange at the end of the chapter where Harry asks Dumbledore well, what Dumbledore what do you see when you look in the mirror and Dumbledore's answer is of course that he sees uh, thick woolen socks because one can never have too many socks and oh people always think I want books for, for Christmas and you know what I really want is nice big thick pair of woolen socks well after reading the chapter again you know i don't know how many times this is for me but and they go into great lengths to describe how cold it is mm-hmm. in the castle and some of the some of the hallways are like ice has like ice in. i think you do need some yeah. woolen socks and ron was even <laughs> complaining when they couldn't find the room that his feet were frozen and dead and that he needed to go back to bed mm-hmm. and uh there was you know they talked about how they finally, with everybody gone for the holiday, they could finally get near the fireplaces yeah. and get warm. And the Snape, Snape's classroom down in like the dungeon area, you could see your breath because it's you so had cold. To stay huddled around your cauldron. Yeah. So I could kind of see where it made sense for him to have some socks. So Harry figures that's probably not the truth, but he also realizes that's kind of a, a personal question, mm-hmm. uh, especially for somebody that he hasn't, you know, built a a relationship super relationship with yet um and that's pretty that's the end of the chapter uh going uh the next chapter is titled nicholas flamel so hopefully we're gonna learn a little bit more about uh nicholas flamel and uh maybe his relationship with dumbledore and how it relates to what's being guarded by the three-headed dog but i wanted to ask you about the invisibility cloak are we to we don't find out for sure but I just kind of drew the conclusion based on the interactions with him and Dumbledore and how it all broke down that Dumbledore was the one who gave Harry the invisibility cloak. Um, Is that kind of what we are meant to assume at this point? Yeah, at this point, that's all we got. Okay. And, you know, there's only so many options. Okay. That would be the most logical option at this point. And the fact that he knew the boys were going to show up at the mirror just seemed... Very convenient. Very convenient. He gotcha. knew all this, yeah. So uh, before we wrap it up, anything that uh, gels really well between the book and the movies, and anything that you f- that you remembered that was uh, left out of the movies that didn't transfer over. Uh, the crackers. I don't remember the crackers. <laughs> Ritz and and the and club Graham crackers. And, yeah. Um, no, I think. Just the little stuff in between. We had them wake up Christmas morning and their presents. They weren't on their beds in the movies. Uh, they're down, I guess, more like under the Christmas tree mm-hmm. in the common room. 
and you hear Ron yell for Harry and you've got presents and he's like what I have presents <laughs> and he goes running downstairs and and Ron's sitting there with their piles of presents um, the whole thing with the George and Fred George and Percy doesn't show up and there's like a snowball fight in the chapter that doesn't show up in the movies we kind of didn't even talk about it it's just that quick of a blurb about but it was fun to read about I was mm-hmm. like oh yeah all the boys out there having a snowball fight did they have the snowballs that the Weasley twins were no, uh, that's bugging uh, Professor Quirrell with they were kind of having like hovering around his back and then it would like hit him in the back and yeah hit him in the back of the head I don't think that's in the movies at all like okay. i'm kind of curious if like there's just something in the background where you see them laughing and see mm-hmm. snowballs flying or something that i didn't pay any attention to mm-hmm. uh, that would be a cute little thing to slip in there but i don't remember that being in there at all gotcha uh anything else that kind of stands out from the christmas chapter before we uh wrap I, up i think all the scenes with the the mirror were pretty much Right on in the movies, mm-hmm. like gotcha. like some of the lines even you the know, screaming word for book word. in the library. Yeah, they did that whole scene in there okay. too, running in the invisibility cloak, and which is always fun to see in the movie how mm-hmm. that translates from the book. Gotcha. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it for us then, unless there's any uh, any final takeaways you have from chapter twelve. Nope, I think we covered it. All right, uh, so we will be back next time with Chapter 13, which I believe is titled uh, Nicholas Flamel, right? Yep. So hopefully we'll, uh, hopefully the trio will finally find uh, some of the information that's been eluding them uh, to kind of put some of this mystery together, because we're more than halfway through this book. Uh, we're getting down there. So we're going to get down to the, to the nitty-gritty left. here. Yep. Uh, so you can less all- than 100 pages left. You can always send us your uh, thoughts and uh, questions at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. But until then, we just want to thank you for downloading, subscribing, uh, spreading the word, sharing on social media, uh, just basically getting the word out about this podcast that we're having a lot of fun bringing to you and um, having um, just a, a good time, you know, getting into the books and uh, eventually getting back into the movies and kind of uh, expanding my uh, experience with the Harry Potter universe and giving you a chance to uh, relive some of these uh, uh, these great moments and characters. Uh, so I think that's going to be it. So until next time, this is Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I am Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we will see you next time. Bye.